Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. I'm so glad you're here today. I hope wherever you are, you are keeping safe and healthy. And you might normally be listening to this episode on your way to work in your car, or maybe at the gym on the treadmill. But maybe today, because of COVID-19, you might be listening at home, or maybe on a walk around the neighborhood. So yes, we are in the thick of COVID-19. By the time this episode airs, it'll be April 8th. So whether you're listening to this in real time, six months from now, or a year from now, the information that we're going to talk about today is very relevant. There have been a lot of changes going on because of the stay-at-home orders and the quarantine orders that we are all under as a country. And companies are being forced to make drastic changes to the workforce. Now, according to Gallup, prior to COVID-19, approximately 43% of U.S. employees were working at least some part of the week at home remotely. And that number was continuing to go up. But obviously, COVID has completely changed the nature of our workforce. Pretty much, if you're not an essential worker, Everyone aside from an essential worker is working from home. Now, in addition to that, they're trying to homeschool children and take care of their personal lives, et cetera. But, you know, most of the workforce is at home right now. And I have been lucky enough my entire career to work remotely. So I feel very comfortable working remotely. I don't have any problems with it. I've been doing it for 27 plus years. But I know for many of you, whether you're new to leading a remote team or whether you're new to working remotely, this episode is going to be very helpful. Today, I'm excited to have my guest, Pia Hine, on the show. Not only is Pia a wildly successful sales leader, in addition to that, she is a certified professional coach, which I also believe makes her an amazing leader. But in addition to that, she's also one of my very best friends. I can't wait for you guys to hear this episode. Pia shares a lot of great wisdom here. So let's get started. Welcome to the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron. I'm obsessed with helping people feel more connected to themselves, the people they love, their work, and their purpose. I'm a leadership coach, speaker, self-improvement junkie, wife, mom of two teenagers, and 30-year corporate career woman turned entrepreneur. This podcast will give you the tools, insights, and real honest conversations that will help you lead your life so you can love your life. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. I am super excited because today I'm interviewing my good friend, Pia Hine. Pia, I'm so glad you're here today. I'm really happy to be here. Well, why don't you tell people, well, I don't even know where to start because (laughs) (laughs) we've known each other for so long. Obviously, you know, the purpose of the podcast today is to really help people manage remote teams and it's something you've done forever, but you're such a good friend and it's we've been best friends for so long that I feel like this is going to be a really fun episode. So, <laughs> um, so we're going to give people help and we're going to, um, whether you're listening to this during COVID or six months later or a year later, hopefully you'll get some good tips and tricks and then uh, you'll get to see how much fun P and I have together as well. So... Thanks for being here, Pia. I really appreciate it. Anytime. All right. So why don't we get started? Just so people know, because we have been friends for a long time. Why don't you tell people how we met? <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> funny how it all ties back to the topic. We actually had the opportunity to meet at work when I met Natalie on an interview. Uh, I was interviewing for a role, an open role on my team. And Actually, when we talk about remote leading and remote experiences, Natalie was my first corporate interview done via virtual, a virtual Skype call. Um, And so I never had the actual opportunity to meet Natalie face to face um, and kind of feel her vibe and feel everything she's about. 
But let me tell you, for those uh, doubters out there, you can certainly show up in the world of virtual Zoom and virtual Skype, because that's really where I was introduced to Nat. And she blew me away in the the 45 minute interview that we had. And I walked out of that saying, wow, I am so lucky to have her joining my team. Well, I felt the same way. one day into working for you. So it was really such a it was such an amazing experience. And, you know, from my perspective, I had worked on a lot of teams. We both worked at a Fortune 100 company together um, for privacy reasons. I'm not going to say where, but, you know, I had already been at the company at that point, I want to say 19 years probably 19 or 20 years. I was there for 27 years. And um, I just felt this instant connection to you during the interview. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited to work for her. And I mean, that never changed. And, you know, I think you had so much great energy and you, I really felt right from the beginning that you were a, a leader who cared about her people. Like yeah, I got, definitely. I got that right off, off the bat and you proved me right in every single way. So, you know, we worked together on the same team for, how long was it? Uh, a little, almost about a year and a half. Yeah. Not yep. too long in the world of working relationships, really. Um, yeah. And let's be honest to those listening out there. After about six months, you would not have known who worked for who. <laughs> really, I pretty much, I think I worked for Nat longer than she worked for me, technically. Um, but that just explained our relationship and the amount of respect we had for each other from pretty much the beginning. So it, that's why, I mean, honestly, it, it's a testament to, I think, how, you know, a lot of teams and a lot of leaders get to interact with the people on their team. Um, but you and I, sometimes you just hit those natural connections and you always remember those teams and those people the most because there's just not just are they good quality people who can do a great job but you know your your values connect and your personalities connect and it makes going to work a whole bunch of fun yeah i know and i i i completely (laughs) agree and we really have been best friends ever since. And, you know, even though our directions within the company and then even now we've actually gone to separate companies since then and um, we have still remained super, super, super close. And I'm grateful for your friendship. But the reason why I really have you on the show today is because one thing is you were absolutely one of the best leaders I've ever worked for. And um, I really think you have a lot, of, a lot of value to add to my listeners, especially with what's going on right now. You know, we're in the middle of a global pandemic and the nature of business is changing. There are teams who have been um, solely office-based and who have had the luxury of having people in their office every day and and having that team dynamic grow and and have that fostered within the office every single day. And now all of a sudden those teams are remote. And you know, at the company we used to work for, it was very much in our company culture in the sales division, we were all remote. You led a remote team and I will say, you know, giving you kudos here. I mean, you it was very well known within the company. First of all, you managed a huge team. You managed the Eastern region. You managed, you know, $250 million worth of business. You not only managed it, but you really inspired people. You were one of the team leaders that got more people promoted, I think, through your team than any other team in- into leadership. And you had super high engagement scores through Gallup because every year we did Gallup engagement and your team was always the highest. And so I'm super happy that you're here today to share your knowledge and your wisdom with people because, you know, for a lot of companies and a lot of leaders, it hasn't been part of their company culture and it hasn't been part of their team dynamics to lead a remote team. And I really believe that you have so much value to offer. So I just kind of wanted to give the audience some of your credentials and really talk about how I experienced you as a leader because you were really well known within our company for being someone that 
literally cared deeply about your team. And and again, I appreciated that about you, not only as a leader, but obviously um, it's one of the reasons why we became such good friends is because, you know, I care deeply about people as well. And it was one of the things that we definitely connected on, but I always have had and still continue to have a high respect for you as a leader, as a manager. And um, so I just wanted to let you know. Thank you. You're welcome. You're very kind. Well, and then, you know, also, you've also managed throughout your career, you know, you've been leading people for 12 years. I mean, you've been working for 22 years, so you have a lot of experience under your belt. And you've managed different types of teams. So you've not only managed completely remote teams, but on the team that I worked on with you, for you, we you managed a half remote, half on-site team. And then you've also managed just full on-site teams. So you have a really amazing um, breadth and depth of experience to managing all types of different teams. So with that being said, you know, I think the first thing that people are really wondering about and questioning as their team goes remote and as their leader of a remote team is, you know, how do I do this? And, you know, kind of what is your response to that? Well, my response to that is for everyone to know when they do something new, anytime you, you're going to try something new or lead through something new, there's going to be a little trial and error and there's going to be a couple bumps along the road. But, you know, if you give yourself a chance to try different things and to, to learn from each of those, each of those experiences, then you're going to get, you're, you'll find your own path because ultimately what happens is everybody's management style or the way they choose to lead a team is typically very or very oriented in the way you like to be led, right? So you emulate and you show and you, and you start to convey all those pieces and all those leaders you learned from, because those are what you admired. And so you try to pass that down now to the people that you're leading. And so whether you're working remote or leading a team remotely and it's a new environment, those characteristics and those values that you that you feel and have felt when you were in the office, those are still with you. And those are still your compass to use as you start to take it on from a remote, remote environment, right? And, and the people that are on your team that know you, they're going to come along on the ride with you to figure out what's the new normal for how we're going to communicate, how we're going to stay in contact with each other, how we're going to you know, give feedback to one another, and, and how we're going to support each other. Yeah. And I think the point that you make is so important. And I really want it to be highlighted here is that leading a remote team is no different than leading an onsite team. Mm -hmm. It really isn't. In terms of what people need from you, it really isn't. What people need from you at the end of the day is to know that you, you see them, you value them, and you believe they can do the job you've hired them to do. And, mm-hmm. and that is the foundation of building that trust and respect w- among the team, which is really at the heart of any good, high-performing team, right, is a trust and respect for each other. And maybe the means and the communications of how you're showing them that have to shift because the physical connection um, and that ease of the, the quick check-in at their desk or, you know, grabbing coffee or even sitting for a quick lunch or something like that, or, or even staying after for five or 10 minutes after a meeting ends, you know, in the conference room as, as a quick check-in, like, yeah, some of those, some of those easy ways of, of connecting aren't at your disposal anymore. But all that means is you find new ways to do that, right? And you make the effort to continue in making those connections, because that's what the team is going to need from you. Yeah. And Pia, I think you bring up a, a really good point about connection. And I think it's one of the things I think both leaders as well as the remote team members probably struggle with the most or think <laughs> that they're going to struggle with, you know, either leading remotely or being on a remote team. And I know there's a lot of people listening to this that aren't leaders, but they've actually just gone to working remotely. And so what do you feel? Because again, you had, I mean, your whole goal as a leader is to have an engaged team that is winning 
And that winning is defined by the results that you're giving to the organization. And so at the end of the day, why do you feel that your teams have been so successful in the past? How have you created that connection? I mean, I know, but I want to hear it from you. (laughs) So how have you created that connection for your teams that have been remote? That's a great question. I think every situation, so for the people, for everyone listening, right? Every situation is, is a little bit different. Um, depending on, you know, is this a team that's an established team for you? Or are you coming in and, and getting the chance to really hire and, and build a new team and kind of what's happening for you? But I would say, you know, to to sort of break it down, first and foremost, it's it's if you do have the opportunity to be the person to hire and, and staff your team, you know, it's about picking people that you know have that that drive and have that grit and sort of capacity to really be a self-starter. Because when you're working remote and you're working from home, you don't have the energy from all of, from the office. You don't bring the office energy. Um, and for a lot of people, it, it is that office energy that inspires them and motivates them and kind of powers them through the day, right? And and when you go to a home office environment, you know, that energy is, isn't, isn't mm-hmm. there, right? And so you can't create all of that energy just in a phone conversation. It really has to be kind of within the individual to say, look, I'm going to bring this about out of myself, right? Like I'm going to bring my energy and I'm going to bring this commitment into the job that I'm doing. And one of the ways that you create that is you create an environment. You know, I think the word team is to some degree overused quite a bit, right? Because it's not a team until people really want to work for each other. You know, before that, it's just a lot of individuals trying to get their job done. And you have to create strong individuals and create a cohesion of a team to say, look, I'm going to get my job done and I'm going to do this connecting and, and being and I'm motivated by wanting to be a, on a performing, a high performing team. Right. And then it's turning the mindset of the people within your team from in, strong individuals, strong, you know, good at their job and and proud of the work they do to all of those attributes and, and contributions. But but having the pride of a team. And feeling that pride. And one of the ways that, and, and that's where, you know, you've talked about the time that I would give and, and take for people and, and the value that I see in getting to really know them. And, and that's really why, you know, when you bring a team of good individuals together or a group of good individuals together, you have to find the synergies. You have to find the ways that they will naturally connect with each other because they won't necessarily do that independently. And so as a leader of that team, one of your jobs is to find those interconnections, is to find those common traits, to find those natural synergies, you know, peer buddy people together or put them on projects together or give them things to do together or create in your team, in your weekly team meeting, an environment to sort of let them see out of each other. Hey, I'm really, you and I are really a lot alike, you know, and we think the same way. And just by opening up some of that, curiosity about each other within the team, it it all starts to build and, you know, they respect one another and that comes through and how you talk to them and how you you treat them. And it ultimately turns into a high performing team versus a group of individuals. Yeah. And I, I definitely think, you know, based on what you just shared, I think those are really the top things that set you apart as a leader is one like I mentioned before, you really, really value your people. You really respect them. And secondly, is you really took the time and continue to take the time to get to know every single person on your team very intimately. So, you know, you're not the kind of leader who's calling and just saying, hey, I need this project by 5 p.m. or by the end of the week. You know, thanks for the phone call. See you later. I mean, I know from both being on your team and then, you know, obviously us going in different directions, but still communicating with you a lot, a lot of your time as a leader is spent in those conversations. So can you kind of walk us through why those conversations for you are so important and so vital to creating that engagement and that um, team cohesion? Yeah, it's a great question. And because to be honest, it would have probably been a benefit to me at different times, especially busy, busy peaks to not invest as much in, in all the conversations in terms of, of time, because it puts the strain on what you need to go do um, afterwards. But 
it really boils down to like, that's what engages me, right? So what engages me in the job that I do every day is knowing the people that I'm working with and is understanding the things and how they're doing and what's going on and what their day's like. You know, I've, I've, I've read a ton or I've, you, you could read articles all day long that are just like, Hey, how to be concise and time management, and, you know, be efficient with your day. And, you know, three key questions to, you know, see where somebody stands on their work. And yeah, all of those are valuable. It's just, they, they help and they help give you a milestone and take a temperature check and that's great. But, you know, for me, it was always more of a, how are you? And, and then how can I help you? And once you got them to open up a little bit, then you can get to the what else, right? And, and the what else is going on. And those questions could be a bit more fundamental and tactical because that's when you started to see what was not only this person maybe struggling with or, or having as a barrier, but what could potentially the rest of the team be struggling with as well. And out of one conversation and taking the time in one conversation, it actually gave you the insight because they may say, oh, well, I was talking to you know, this person and that person and we all are kind of stru- stuck right here. And, you know, taking that extra time helped you see a bigger picture because from there, it's like, okay, what do we all need to go back and talk about on our next team call? Now you want to start to understand things that can be barriers. And then at a additional, how can I now work towards removing the barrier? Is there something I could be doing in my network, in my sphere of influence to start to change the dimension of this and to make the work easier for my team? How can I advocate for them? How can I champion this? I would never have gotten those nuggets if I just got on the phone and said, hey, let me know what you're working on. What step are you on? You know, when will it be done? Right? Like, you're not going to get the the truth. You're going to get what they think you want to hear. And at the heart of it, that just, you know, that falls short in really building trust and connection. Yeah, I, com- I completely agree with you. And it's so interesting that you frame it that way because, in doing some research for this episode, I was I actually found an article on Inc. And there was a leader who was managing remotely. And, you know, he talked about the questions he asked his team, which are, what have you done? What are you working on? And what do you need? And it's so interesting, because I know working for you, those were never the questions that you asked. And I loved the questions that you just said that you ask your team of how are you (laughs) how can I help you and what else you know and as I was thinking about the difference between the questions asked in that article versus the questions that you ask your team the essence of the the come from or the intention that you ask from is a place of trust And it's a place of advocacy where you're really advocating and championing your people, just like you were saying. Whereas the questions that were asked in this Inc. article, to me, I had a gut reaction to them, too. Of like, to me, they felt like associates were being checked up on versus checked in on. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a huge difference of how people... And and this doesn't matter if you're in an office or if you're working mm-hmm. remotely. I mean, that is the nuance between being a leader that people want to follow or, in my opinion, a manager who's micromanaging you. Yeah. And again, it's the power of your words. You, you, you can't underestimate them, mm-hmm. right? You really, truly cannot underestimate the power of your words. And you have to be thoughtful about what you're choosing to say and how you're choosing to say it. And everybody messes up at, you know, different points in time. But if you're in, if your team knows your intention and your in your natural style and, and your natural intent or your sort of, I would say, more typical intent is always to check and to see and how are you and how are you doing and what else and, and advocating for them. It almost does give you the freedom sometimes when deadlines are tight, things are busy, you have to get things done. Like sometimes you have to go in work mode and it's okay. Mm-hmm they'll stay behind you in those moments when they know that they know what the goal is. They, they're rallying together behind you as a team and they'll go there with you if that's not all they hear every day of the week. Right. Exactly. And, and that's where you get the ability to flex. Once you earn their trust and respect and you form a team, then as the leader of that team, you get the liberty to flex your style and you get the liberty to, to push or 
to guide or coach, right? Whatever role you need at that point in time, you know, because they trust you and they trust that you, you trust them and they're there for a reason and they're valued. Yeah, no, absolutely. So Pia, you know, you talk about that being your natural style. You know, your, your natural inclination is to check up on people and to check in with people and, and to really see how they're doing. And that really, again, makes people feel valued and seen and known and understood. And it creates that connection, both individually and as a whole team, for people to want to do their best and give their best. My question to you is, what do you say to those leaders who maybe that isn't their natural leading style? Maybe their leading style is more detail-oriented, directive, let's just get to work, get things done. And, you know, maybe they're sitting here listening to this podcast saying, that sounds like a lot of work and a lot of fluff. And that's really not my natural personality. So how would you, how would you coach a leader like that? Sure. Yeah. And, and I think if that is their natural style, that's great, right? In terms of how they approach their own job, right? And maybe their own tasks that they need to get done. But at the, when you are a person and when you're leading people, you're not just thinking about how you are going to get things done. And, and let me not, I don't want to necessarily have it come across as fluff because it's not that at all. At the end of the day, and you said it, I think in the intro, like it's a successful, engaged and winning team. Mm-hmm. And when you're in business and your job is to deliver the targets that your business is expecting of you, that is your job. Like you can't, it's not, we're not here just to be a functioning, high functioning team. We are here to deliver results and that can't be lost in the process, but your capability and your success rate to deliver those results to me go up exponentially if people are willing to work for you and feel valued in working for you then achieving those results, stretching your team for even greater results than what you sign up for, become real healthy targets to set for yourself. Because we all need a stretch. We all need something to develop and we all need something to work on. If your personal style, and I had plenty of people on my team, you know, whose styles were very, I need a list, I have a task, I do this, you know, throughout my my Monday, I do this on Tuesday, I break up my week and I do these, you know, I, I have a schedule to my day. That's perfect. I don't have any problem with your style as long as we're delivering on what you need. And your conversation and the conversation you and I have may sound different than the conversation I'm having with someone else on the team who does want to share a little bit more about what they're thinking about and going through and isn't so defined like that. And I think as a leader, you will naturally bring in your own personal style. It's not right or wrong. It doesn't mean you have to change. It means you have to be observant to the people that you are leading and you have to flex your style to maximize theirs, right? You have to be willing to adjust and move and pivot with the people on your team so they can deliver for you in a bigger and better way. And if you force one style, it's like anything, right? Like it's never going to be full potential. It's going to be as much as one particular way can deliver. Yeah. And I, I mean, again, speaking to your leadership ability, I think the fact that you say as a leader that you flex your style to each of your individuals. If you have someone who is more top line and more detail oriented, you know, you're flexing your leadership style to them. But it's so interesting because mm-hmm. I think that we've all worked for leaders who want everyone to flex their style to that leader. I mean, I can think of one recently I worked for who was very controlling and autocratic and you know, the reality is those days of leadership are gone. No one mm-hmm. wants to work for leaders like that. And yes, will they get results? Yes, but they're always short term. They always burn people mm-hmm. out and people aren't engaged on their teams. And think about the results that they could be achieving. Like you said, when people are really behind them. I mean, there's tons of research out there. I mentioned it on, um, I don't know if it was my last podcast or the previous one about you know, the power of gratitude, just even having gratitude as a leader. There was a research done by Wharton where they were talking to people who were doing telemarketing calls for universities and they had a control, Mm -hmm. they had a control group. And then they had a group where 
all they did, all the leader did was go in prior to the second group. All the leader did was one in and just acknowledge them for all the work that they had been doing and really showed gratitude and their call rates went up 50%. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'll be, I'll be honest with all listening um, out there. The power of recognition is probably something I underestimated throughout my career and through and, and leading people because, you know, there is this competitive nature. There is this natural instinct in me that's like, Hey, we have a job to do. Let's go do it. Like let's work hard. And, and you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm driven by doing a good job and, and trying to perform well. And I think a lot of us are, and I think where I fell short and, and I appreciated and, and the openness of my team and, and having people really give me this feedback along the way is not everybody can move through great wins and successes and deliverables whether recognition is received or not for me as a personal, as a person and personal validation, you know, recognition, I didn't necessarily, wasn't a motive, wasn't a big, isn't a big motivator for me, but I learned that again, if you just give people what you need or what is important to you, you're missing 50%, 60% of what other people need, Mm -hmm. right? Because they may need it. Some may need it every week. Some may need it just when they deliver a big assignment, but they're proud of it, right? And one of the things that I have 100% learned more so, I would say, in the last five years than anything else is the power of recognition and how if you make people feel seen and recognized for their contribution, it just builds their confidence even more and more engagement. And it it's like, you know, sometimes recognition we think it has to be this grand award at a, you know, on a stage and all these things. And it really doesn't. Sometimes that's actually like the last recognition people want because they're going to be too embarrassed to even walk up there. But just to feel, just to get the MVP award or just to get the hustle award or just to get the most improved, award, you know, like most improved player award, whatever you want to do in terms of a theme for your team, like you can create it based on the style or the sort of passions or interests of your team and, and have fun with it. But just saying thank you sometimes can go so far. And I've learned that those two words just can be recognition enough and are never said often enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, I I completely agree with you. And I think you always did a great job of that on your team. And I know that was something that you really took time and effort to do. So we talk about, you know, leading a remote team. We've talked about establishing trust showing people that they're valued, recognizing people. You know, one of the things that with everyone either going, you know, rapidly remote or whether they've worked remote for a while is I think there's some confusion and some ambiguity as to, you know, how do you set boundaries with people, you know, what hours they're supposed to be working while they're remote, you know, what if people you know, I think there's a lot of um, mistrust that goes on just in general. I mean, I know I used to get it all the time when I would tell people I worked remotely. I only have worked remote my entire career. I've never worked in an office. And I would have people, I would tell people I worked remote and they'd be like, oh, that's so awesome. You must get to do laundry and be in your pajamas all day long and, you know, work whenever you want. And, you know... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there were days. Don't you yeah, wish? I mean, there were days I did <laughs> yeah. work in my pajamas. Yes, I had the luxury of not having a long commute every day. But interestingly enough, I feel like I probably worked longer hours more often than not than people that worked in offices because people that worked in offices had clear boundaries around when they came in and when they left. And oftentimes they shut it off when they were in their car. That was their downtime. And then they, and you know, when you work from home, it can be easy for it to always be in your face. And so, mm-hmm. you know, both from kind of a leadership perspective, but then also from an associate perspective, what advice do you give to people who are maybe new to working remotely or leading remotely? You know, how do you kind of get get past some of these preconceived? notions about working from home and what it means because I do believe that as 
we all kind of get back to normal whenever that is after this COVID thing, I do believe that there is going to be a reevaluation of a lot of people have been working at home and guess what? They are productive and, you mm -hmm. know, they have better work-life family balance and they're, they feel more engaged because they're not wasting two hours a day commuting into the city and wasting gas and, you know, wear and tear on their cars and just the mental energy of commuting. So what do you have to say to people who kind of are struggling with just that perception of working remotely? Sure. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, the way to sort of live into, you know, how you want to show up at work and continue to show up at work, even though now you're finding yourself in a work from home environment, you know, there is going to be some flexibility. There is going to be some you know, time shifts that, that happen and, and how significant are those in terms of, you know, the end of the day, your ability to do what you need to do when you're working with a team and you have team commitments, I, I think it is fair to set boundaries and, and the leader of this team should have, you should have your team meeting and you should set a new, call it a team contract, right? What is our work from home expectations? What's our team contract that we're all going to live into and sign up for right now? Because we're all in this together, right? We are facing a new situation together. We weren't expecting to be working from home. We certainly weren't expecting to be homeschooling our kids. At the same time. <laughs> right. You know, and there's a lot of, a lot of different nuances, right. That are being put in place. So, you know, it, rather than assuming you have, you know, this, you know, crystal ball of what everybody needs, have that, take that time, have that team meeting and say, look, we do need to have boundaries because we do still have a job we need to get done. We're going to be home for the next 30, 60, 90 days, however long this, this goes on for, you know, but we can't assume the deliverables are going to wait 90 days until we're ready and back in the office to provide them. So we do need clear boundaries of office hours. We do need status to be on and, and not status to be on because I need to take a time check, but status for everybody to say like, Hey, if I need you, I want, I need to be able to connect. I need to be able to have that conversation with you just as easily as I would have been able to find you in the office. And it's fair to say, I'm in a meeting, do not disturb, you know, whatever the status symbols allow on your, on your instant message for work, use those just like you would in a natural day, because you're, you are entitled to have time to get work done. Mm -hmm. And, you know, none of that should really change. But I think, you know, for those who are new to working from home, it's important to give yourself a routine. It's important to give yourself space to work mm -hmm. in so that you can, you can be focused during the work hours because, you know, you're still there and you still have deliverables and, you know, you need to respect yourself and the space that you need to get those done. And if you need to take a break in the middle of the day, because you need to help with some schoolwork or some things, you know, have that as part of that team discussion when you say, look, uh, you know, we may, it may not be the best thing to still do meetings between the hours of 11 and two, because that might be when I'm help going to, within that span of time, I might be doing some stuff with my kids and some of their work. So can we at least say meeting times are between 8.30 and 11 and two to five, right? And create a little window of flexibility with the recognition that everybody's life everybody's work from home situation right now is different. Mm -hmm. And so give people some flexibility to say what, what they need, you know, and, and, and have that confidence that they're still going to trust to get their work done. Yeah. And then the, the true reality too, is if you go into this and everybody goes in with good intentions, and if you find, you know, part of a manager's responsibility is if you find someone is falling behind, go find out why. If it's new, if it's a new situation and they typically were always doing a good job and over the first two, three weeks, you're starting to see a change or you're starting, they may be struggling with this whole concept of being home, mm -hmm. right? It may not have nothing to do with work or work from home. They may be just struggling and feeling confined, right? So go find out why, help them, see what you can do, and then be strong enough to give them the feedback and, and support of what they need and, and see how you can get through it. Because none of this is going to be just a cookie cutter approach. Mm-hmm. No. And I, I mean, I, I love what you talk about, about, you know, having flexibility, but this team contract, I think is really powerful for people, um, especially when we're kind of all in this new environment. And 
I mean, a lot of people, a lot of companies haven't been in this situation before. Like I said, you know, culturally, we've been used to working this way because we always have and we have a lot of experience in that. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast is to help people and help companies um, kind of manage through this. But like I said, I do think that there is going to be a shift towards more companies realizing that workers are productive and workers are happy and you can have a connected remote team and you can lead very effectively remotely. I mean, I've been on teams and I'm sure you can say the same either, you know, where you've been remote, but I felt super connected to my team members. And I love the idea of having this, this contract that everyone agrees on. And one of the nuances, which I love, and by the way, I forgot to mention this, you know, you are a coach as well, which I think absolutely (laughs) differentiates you as a leader because Mm -hmm. you're always coming from a place of curiosity and you're always coming from a place of really seeking to understand about, you know, just like you said, if someone's falling behind, you're not automatically coming in with like, you know, this autocratic dictatorial leadership style. Like you're really coming from a place of, Help me understand, like, what's going on? How can I help you? How can I support you? What tools, resources Mm -hmm. do you need? Yeah, what's getting in your way? Because, you know, we want to, you know, inherently you're good, you know, kind, want to be kind to each other, good people and and supportive, especially during a time of crisis like we're in as, as a country, right? But at the same time, sometimes those impacts, you know, have an impact on, the project you're working on or can have an impact on the deliverable that you expected to receive. And right. And so how are you going to react when your expectations aren't met? Mm-hmm. And that is a true test of, of someone leading a team. And, you know, if it's something that's, that's a challenge for you, that's something you're going to have to face and be open to and saying, how am I going to react to this? How am I going to, you know, have my expectations missed, but not lose the cohesiveness of the team. How, how am I going to address this? How am I addressing conflict? What are the interpersonal skills that I need to focus on? And I mean, we could do a podcast <laughs> itself on all of that, right? You know what I mean? So it's, um, it's a lot. There's a lot of dimension to it. And, but I do think going back to that team contract, what do I expect of you? What do you expect of me? What can you expect of me as your leader, right? But then it's a two, that contract is a two-way dialogue. It's not just the leader saying, here's what I expect of you. Here's what I expect to see. It is also then the reverse. And and the most critical point is get your team to tell you what they expect of you as their leader in the process as well. Mm -hmm. That way everybody walks in with clear expectations. Exactly. But like, like you said, I mean, you know, I think going back and, and what I meant to follow up on, I didn't finish my thought earlier was the nuance of you as a coach and as a leader combining those two skills to really, um, again, check up on people and coach people and make them feel like, hey, you know, when you were talking about your status, right? So if you're on Skype, or if you're on instant messenger, or if you're on any kind of, you know, two way communication tool, you know, letting people know that I'm not doing this to check up on you, I'm not doing this to monitor you, we're all adults here. I trust you that you're going to get your job done. However, I do need you on for communication purposes. I need to, you know, we and I kind of talked about it before the podcast of like, yeah. you know, some managers or leaders will say, oh, well, you know, I, I may need you. But it's mm-hmm. like going that one step further, <laughs> like, you know, if you could share with the audience, you know, instead of saying, well, I, I need you during the hours of eight to five you know, what is a better way to communicate that as to why it's important for people to be available when they're working remotely? You know, if you could share that with people. Yeah. And I, and I think it's almost a little bit of how we touched on at the beginning where managing remotely versus managing locally or in a building together, right. In a lot of ways is indifferent in, in you still, sometimes you do the quick huddles. Sometimes you do the the full blown meeting. Sometimes you just do the pass by, right? But you have that physical presence to sort of create those points of connection. The purpose of the status is just to keep that form open when you don't have the physical presence. It's not meant to be a timesheet, right? Like, or a time card of like a check in, check out. 
because people are working all different hours of the day, most likely. And honestly, you know, you, your brain doesn't shut off just because it, it hits five o'clock, right? People are probably cooking dinner and still thinking about stuff at work and, and their brain is still working for the business and for the company and for the team. And, you know, it's about respecting that people will get their job done. And then again, and trusting that and putting that trust out there first, but still keeping those outlets of communication and connection open, not just for me, but for the entire team. And and one of the things we always had in our team contract too is what's the best way to reach me? If the best way to reach me is it could be Skype or I'm, I'm so meeting heavy, I don't have my laptop up. So, and I'm when I'm on phone calls, who knows, maybe I'm pacing around the house because that's how I, I think better that way, right? Like that's how I get my, my creativity going, whatever it is. So I would always say to my team, just text me, right? Text me because that way I see it and I can, whether I'm on a phone call or not, I'll, I'll see that you you need me. And I can give you a quick auto reply back, like, hey, on the phone, we'll get back to you in an hour or whatever, right? It's an easy way to communicate. So just define that with your team and have that open conversation because it's not meant to be a, I don't trust you, where are you tool? It's meant to be, how are we going to stay connected while we physically can't see each other? Yeah. And I know, uh, you know, I've actually heard some great examples of teams staying connected in a really fun way throughout all of this COVID-19 situation. And I actually think it would be fun to continue it on as teams work remotely. So Mm -hmm. I know that there's been teams that have had uh, virtual happy hours. I -hmm. also know that walk in. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And I also um, a friend of mine was telling me that her husband's team happens to be an all male team. And they met last Friday on zoom. And they all did men in black. And so they all came dressed to the Zoom call <laughs> as men in black. And then they were they were rating each other as to who showed up best. Um, I know another team mm-hmm. from another company that they all wore crazy hats. And mm-hmm. they all did, you know, that. And then there was actually another team, which I love this idea because I think at our old company, I think there was always this differentiation between work and family. And I know that as other companies and other teams are much more progressive in terms of, especially now that parents are home, homeschooling and trying to work at the same time. Another company had a Zoom call where they had the kids like sitting on their parents' laps and they introduced (laughs) and the kids got to meet their team and the team got to meet their Mm -hmm. families. And it was just like, that's another great way of building connection, you know? For sure. Think about those kids, right, who see their parents go off to work every day and they hear this name like, oh, so-and-so is my boss, right? Or Natalie's my boss or, you know, whatever. And that person exists as this figure in their mind Mm. that they've never met or seen before. But man, my mom or dad spent a whole bunch of time with them, right? (laughs) And always have to do whatever they say, you know, whatever, you know, so like, and then the idea of like actually meeting that person, like, I do think these are like more so for the kids, like very memorable moments, right? Of you know, we say take your kid to work, right? And having that that fun and like kids like to do stuff like that. But I, I think there is, you bring up a really good point around whether it's work kind of like managing the work-life balance, having the flexibility, but at the, at the heart of it too, it's just like, just have a little fun. Exactly. Like have a little fun and just have some lighthearted, you know, ways of doing it. And, you know, everybody is dealing with different stresses or different things going on hopefully, you know, nobody's having to deal with a personal illness in their house, but Mm -hmm. I'm sure many people Mm -hmm. are, right? And so there's so many things that people can be dealing with. Like, if you can just add a little levity and some fun to the day, you know, it's, I mean, I would say it's a pillar, quite frankly, in any good team. It's like, you know, it's a little harder to do in terms of like, having full on team engagements and things like that. But you can bring some, some fun into the day. And be humble, you know, like let it go. And just whether, you know, you sometimes I had a a friend of mine that I worked with and who was on my team and he was amazing at just like self-deprecating humor and just like things that just like hilarious, right? Like if if you have the, if you are inclined to make people laugh and you put a smile on someone's face right now, like, man, what a gift. Yeah. Like I, I take it every day. No, I agree. I think you always had a lot of fun on your teams and I always had a lot of fun on your team. And, you know, and I think especially in this environment, you know, I mean, I feel blessed that I'm here with my family. I know you're home with your family. But, you know, the reality is not everyone that's in the workforce has a family. 
There's a lot of single mm-hmm. people out there. There's a lot of maybe older people who maybe don't have a partner or have lost a partner. or And sometimes, especially working remotely, or maybe they were working in an office before, sometimes that connection at work is the only connection that they have. And that means so much to them. And so I think anything mm-hmm. that we can do as leaders to bridge that gap, have a little bit of fun, bring some levity into this situation, and even after this this passes by and we all get through this, which right. we will. I think exactly. I think the things that we talked about today are really helpful for managing your remote team. And as a company, you know, I have an entire workshop around the specifics of what do you put in the team contract? How do you build trust on teams? You know, ideas for recognition and how do you build a mission values and purpose statement for your team. And I mean, we have all of this training. So if anyone's interested, just putting it out there, obviously, we're adding value today on the podcast, but we do have training that goes much more in depth. So if you personally as a leader, or if you have a company that you know, could benefit from, you know, using this information or having a training or a webinar on this information, because you have a team that has gone rapidly remote or, is in the process of transitioning. We're absolutely here to help. So on that note, Pia, I just want to thank you for the interview today. You're awesome as always. And I really appreciate you adding your insight because you are a kick-ass leader. So thank you for today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm super glad I got to do this and admire all the podcasts you've put out already and can't wait to to see what more you do. Thank you, friend. All right. Have a good afternoon. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for being here today and listening to the Lead Your Life podcast. My invitation to you is that you do one thing today to move toward a more meaningful, fulfilling life for yourself. Today, you have the opportunity to challenge your mindset or have a meaningful conversation or take one action step towards your goals. So what are you waiting for? It would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next week. Until then, don't wait till tomorrow. Be your best self now.